Welcome to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Brightman, and it's my pleasure to welcome in Rutgers football head coach, Greg Schiano. Coach, I know it's a busy week for you. Have Big Ten Media Days coming up. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure, Aaron. Can't believe it's uh, going into your third season now, and uh, hard to believe it's actually the first offseason that's really been kind of a traditional offseason for you after COVID. Um, what's the benefit been for this program with so many younger players and new faces uh, going into this season ahead? Well, you hit it on the head. It's the first traditional offseason we've had. We actually had a winter program. Then we had spring practice. Then they actually got a break, which was nice. And then to bring them back and have them go through a full summer. That's really, you know, when you look at a, an offseason as a head coach, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that building block mentality. So the offseason program, we gain strength in the winter program. And we condition to a degree to prepare us for spring practice. Spring practice is where you really make some fundamental development as a team and, and you hit it on the head with young players and literally for us all our players are pretty young um, because we've only been here for you know two seasons so that was I really enjoyed spring practice I thought we got better with the exception of a couple injuries I would have been thrilled about spring practice uh, and then like I said the guys got a break even even in the second year if you remember we had to push spring practice back because of a COVID outbreak. So then we didn't get to uh, really get a break for, for the players. They were, they had a couple of days off and they were back at summer school. So I really think it's important that they get to unwind a little bit. And then we had a tremendous summer uh, tomorrow completes the summer program. And then we're, we're off and running. So uh, that building block, what I tell the guys is you have to have a great summer to be able to have a great training camp and you have to have a great training camp to be able to have a great season. So we're on the beginning of this next build and that's the, the training camp, you know, summer training camp, and then the season. You've talked about it before, the importance of the transfer portal now in this day and age. And um, wanted to just ask your strategy and how you target impact players and, and how excited you are for guys like Taj Harris, Sean Ryan, and um, the multitude of offensive linemen that you've added to the team this year. Well, I think I think the transfer portal has been a good thing for us. There's no doubt about that. Um, you have to be really, really specific in what you're going into the portal for and what are you willing to take from the portal, right? To me, it's always been about, yes, we have a need so that we're going to go into the portal and look at it, just like I did in, in the NFL and free agency. But I think it's really important that the guys you take from the portal are going to be a great cultural fit in your program. Otherwise, you know, it's it's one of those deals, one step forward, two steps back. And it may be it may be enticing. But at the end of the day, is it really going to help your program improve? I think that we've done a really good job at that with our portal guys. And part of it is now the culture becoming stronger and more embedded here. Um, I think when a guy com comes into this program from another program, they immediately can identify what we are and who we are. We talk to them about it in their recruitment from the portal, but I think when they get here, they realize that's exactly what it is and that's what they signed up for. So uh, it's real important that they're a cultural fit. You've uh, you've entered training camp with many quarterback battles in the past, uh, obviously going into this one, uh, namely Noah Vedrill and Gavin Wimsat. What's your approach or mindset going into this off uh, excuse me, this training camp um, and what you expect from both of them? 
Well, I would actually say it's three. I think Evan Simon is right in that mix as well. So three guys will compete for the job. Um, initially, the reps will be divided equally three different ways. And then soon as it shows that two should be getting them instead of three, we'll pull it and put a large portion of those reps into two guys. And the third guy will get less. Somewhere before the first game, you hope that you have a starter that, that declares himself. If you go into this thing trying to make something happen, it's a little bit of a dangerous ploy. You have to make sure that you just let it happen. And uh, what does that mean? That means you give them equal opportunities with the same personnel. So there's no inequities when they're trying to be evaluated. And then someone's got to step up and grab it. And, you know, we have a unique set of different age groups, right? Um, we have Noah, who is going into his sixth year. You have Evan, who's going into his third. And then you have... Uh, then you have Gavin, who's going into a second, really, and probably first and a half if you really break it down. So um, I think it's going to be a really good competition. I think that they're all really, really supportive of each other, which is hard to find in a competitive room. But that I think our quarterback room, you know, led by Sean Gleason, I think there's a chemistry in there and there's a, you know, a, a, a we first mentality which is, you know, really, really special to be around. And uh, obviously one of the more uh, talked about topics these days is name, image, and likeness. Um, you've spoken about it in the past. Now there's two Rutgers collectives, the Knights of the Raritan and uh, Eric Legrand and Geo Baker with the Knights Society. How has that impacted your approach with recruiting and, and how do you think it's uh, impacted college football as a whole? Well, you know, that's a very complex question, Aaron. I think that First, let me go on record is that I've been a big proponent of players being paid going back to when I first started coaching. Um, certainly when I came here to Rutgers as a head coach the first time. Um, I don't think that the NIL was uh, introduced with a very good plan. I think it was kind of a reaction to a lawsuit that the NCAA lost. And all of a sudden we're into this new world. And whether you like it, you don't like it, that's a whole different conversation. The conversation that you have to deal with is this is the world we're in right now and you adapt or you die. And uh, everybody has different resources, but that's not different than before NIL, right? Uh, 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 what is it? NIL, yeah, before NIL, mm -hmm. because that's always going to be the case. This isn't, you know, there's not a, to say this a level playing field, that's not true. Um, but who cares, right? You got your situation, go figure it out, make the best of it. And that's what we're doing with NIL. You know, I, I don't speak about it often um, publicly, but I do talk to our team about it. Education is such a critical point to it, right? Because there's so many things now that they have to understand at this age that they didn't have to understand before. Number one, income tax. Several of our guys really didn't understand income tax. Well, what a great opportunity to teach them about that and how it affects what you do, the choices you make, right? But there's so many other things, contracts. You know, what do contracts do? They lock you in for whatever that period of time is, right? And if you sign a bad contract, there's no getting out of it. It's, it's tough. So I think our guys have learned a ton. I'm in favor of them being able to realize their value as a player through their name, image, and likeness. And we are helping and educating all at the same time. I think, uh, to be a major player in the championship level Big Ten Conference and nationally, we are going to have to grow our, our uh, NIL 
quite a bit and we're in the process and I'm in the process of working on that because that's a reality. It's also a great opportunity and I don't want that to be lost on people. You know, it's a great opportunity for Rutgers to be able to go compete maybe in some ways that we hadn't been able to compete before in recruiting and you can't use it for recruiting. That's what people are doing. The people that are breaking the rules are using it as an inducement for recruiting. But what you can do is have players on your team getting NIL deals of value X and recruits look at that and say, Oh, well, if he's getting value X, I'm as good or better than him. Well, I'll get at least value X, right? That's what's legal is, you know, NIL was meant and is meant for your existing roster. It wasn't made as a recruiting inducement. Now, is that happening? Sure, it's happening. But like I say to people, that's no different than when people were cheating under the table. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're just cheating over the table. I don't worry about that crap. I really don't care. I know what we have to do at Rutgers. We're going to do it legally, but we're going to do it aggressively. And we need to make sure that at the end of the day, we get the players that we really want in our program. And I've said that for 30 years now. Don't worry about the ones you don't get. Make sure the ones you get, you really love them. Talking about support, Governor Murphy, uh, with the announcement recently of the, the budgeted um, money for uh, facilities, specifically uh, to help with the practice facility. How important your entire tenure uh, since coming back in December uh, 2019, Governor Murphy's been in your corner, been extremely vocal, not just for football, but for Rutgers in general. How important has his support been? Um, and is there anything you can talk about just in terms of your plans for that practice facility? Well, I agree with you. Governor Murphy uh, and his wife, Tammy, have been great supporters of Rutgers in general and of Rutgers football. Um, we really do appreciate everything that they do and that our state legislators have done now for Rutgers and for Rutgers football. Uh, we're moving forward with the building. We're doing it at a, at a, at a pace that I think is responsible. Um, look, when we came back, I was very clear that I thought that was something that we needed. But then, an, then a worldwide pandemic hit, and that that has a way of putting a, a pause on things. And I'm I'm realistic with that. And I think you know, knowing what we're trying to build, we're trying to build something for well and long after I'm gone, right? So this is this is going to be a building that will last, you know, for a long time. And I want to make sure that we do it right. You know, we're in a building that you can you can run a football program very successfully in this building. What it doesn't have is some of the things for recruiting that other buildings have that we compete against. As far as functionality, we can function in this building and function very well. We have the things we need. We've, we've made improvements to this building. You know, people say, well, why, if you're building a new building, you're improving the building you're in? Well, guess what? The players that are here now need these things to be functional, to be successful, whether it's recovery rooms or a place where they can relax. Those are all necessary things, more meeting space, more office spaces, staffs grow. So we have to do that while we're in the process of designing and then building this new building, because I think all our fans want to win now, right? They don't want, well, you know, we'll win five years from now when that built. No, that's not the way it works. So we're, we're all about to today as well as having long range plans. Obviously, there's many steps and stages in rebuilding a program and building up a program. You had two players drafted this past uh, spring in Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco. How important was that just for the perception of the program and also kind of going back to all the success you've had in developing players in the NFL at the next, next level? Well, I think it's very important, right? And I think what happens in a program is 
there's a pipeline, so to speak, and you need to fill it with players. So that's four or five recruiting classes worth of players. And as you are filling that pipeline with players, you're developing them at a very high rate. And that's what we did our first time here. When we left after the 2011 season, we were top 10 in the country in active NFL players. Now, I think people would win a lot of bar bets on that one. You know, that's strictly from, yes, did we have good players? Certainly we had good players. But we didn't have, you know, a a marching line of five stars every year come walking in the front door. We had some really good players who were Rutgers guys, guys that love football, guys who were willing to work. That's what I meant when you said, you know, you got to love the ones that you do get. And for us, that means guys who love football, guys that are going to really work at it and allow us to develop them. And we don't take shortcuts, right? Development to me is a steady progress in your career, physically, right? Emotionally, maturity-wise, as well as the skills and the and the techniques and the, and the strategy of learning the game of football. That all takes time. We try to squeeze it in as fast as we can, but the reality is, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. They're here to get an education first. So uh, as that pipeline fills and we're able to develop them, I fully expect to be back at that level of producing NFL talent. But it was great, you know, to see Bo and Pop both get drafted. And uh, I'm confident they're both going to make it in that league and, and they're going to play for a while. So that's the beginning of, of phase, you know, round two, I guess, is what you say. Last question for you, Coach. Uh, year one and year two of your return, uh, you've made significant strides each year. What does this team need to do to make more strides this coming season? Well, we're a very young team. Uh, you know, we had some guys that were upperclassmen and then because of COVID stuck around a second year. So we became a more experienced team. Now we're a young team. And what we need to do is eliminate the errors that young teams make. Right? And there's an old saying in coaching, before you can start winning games, you have to stop losing. them. And that's, that's a fact. And young players, you know, they're really, we have some really, really talented young players. But without experience, you know, inexperience under pressure sometimes causes mistakes. And it's going to be our job to train our players and coach them and keep it basic enough that we avoid making those mistakes that lose games. And let's see if we let the, our players' talents take over and go win some games. Rutgers football head coach Greg Schiano, thank you so much for your time and best of luck this season. Looking forward to uh, covering this team. Oh, thanks, Aaron. And congratulations on your new start. Hope everything goes well. Thank you, Coach.